0: Day, and it is a great day because we are beginning revival services this morning with Brother Morgan, and we appreciate him and his wife coming to be with us today. Could we let them know how much we appreciate them being in Sanctuary? Brother Morgan, as I remember it, you are from Kenneth, if I believe, if I'm correct. And Sister Morgan, you're from Walnut Ridge. And you have family here today that has joined y'all. And we're so thankful that you have come to be with us today as well. It's good for y'all to be back in, in the, uh, the land of the Lord. Northeast Arkansas. And uh, those aren't angels that carry us away around here. They're mosquitoes that pick us up. And try to, but we're going to overcome. Amen. Amen. We're very thankful they are here. And I am. I've been in prayer i have been fasting praying that we would uh, see a tremendous revival begin to take place in our church and i am believing that today begins the start of a tremendous breakthrough and that god is going to do wonderful things i have every expectation of that amen if you are here and you have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I believe that the Lord would love to fill you with the Holy Ghost today before you leave this building. He will do that. It is the gift of God, and he would love to give that gift to you. If you need a miracle in your body, I believe this is a place of miracles today where God will do tremendous, powerful, wonderful things. Amen. So this morning, would you help me welcome Brother Morgan to this pulpit? Brother Morgan, would you come preach to us? we're ready we are believing God for great things let the Lord know how thankful you are to be in his presence
1: would you stand with me this morning what a wonderful presence of the Lord that's here and uh, I know that it's Father's Day and uh, most of you if you're anything like me can't wait to get out of here and go eat most favorite places in all of the world is ron's catfish you can tell by looking i enjoy ron's catfish and this is after a weight loss surgery so uh, appreciative of the goodness of god the greatness of god i have four boys and none of them are with me today so i've wept all i'm going to weep and uh but my father-in-law's here my stepmother-in-law's here and I give him honor today, Father's Day. He made a wonderful wife is here with me today, and Arkansas was good to me. I tell people that gave me my local license, which they probably shouldn't have. And they gave me my general license, which they should have known better, after the locals, but then they gave me a wonderful, wonderful wife, and uh, grew up just across the state line, traveled the great state of Arkansas for several years, and I uh, have many, many fond memories, even uh, your father-in-law. And, uh, well, we won't go there. We'll just leave it like it is. It's good to be here today. Your pastor Brother O'Connell, the invitation to be here, the kindness, the wonderful presence of the Lord that's here right now. Now, I've done this long enough to know that for the next few minutes, you're going to be grading me on my pulpit mannerisms and introductory remarks. And, how I start and how fervent I am and how much I sweat. So let me just help you. I'm going to sweat profusely. Nothing you can do to change that. I'm going to preach hard, and uh, but I'm not here for the next few services just to fulfill time on a calendar um, or preach to you something that I think is right. I'm here because I felt a mandate several months ago uh, to obey the Lord, to do the will of God, and time is not on our side. Time is not on our side. And so with with the risk of offending somebody, if you're here just to have typical UPC church, we're probably going to make you mad or disappoint you because the one thing that I despise more than the devil, it's typical, protocol, custom UPC church. I despise it. If we've got the answer, we need to act like it. If we've got the gospel, we need to rejoice about it. And there needs to be a revelation come to the church of who we are. We're not some ragtag, half-wit army left behind waiting on redemption. But we are the anointed flesh of Jesus Christ left in the earth to do great things. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We're the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have your Bibles and will join me, Matthew chapter 16, very familiar reading. I'm going to uh, do my best here today to deliver what I feel in the Holy Ghost. And need uh, you to work with me just a few moments. Familiar passage of Scripture, Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came out of the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? What a question. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father. Would you say, My Father, which is in heaven? And I say, also repeat with me and i say also unto thee that thou art peter and upon this rock i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not shall not shall not prevail against it and i will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. If you will go back with me to the 18th verse of this wonderful chapter. Jesus is speaking and he said, I say also unto thee. The also was followed up on the revelation of Jesus and the revelation of Peter. And then all of a sudden Jesus just introduces another, another portion of the great revelation. And he said, I say also I want to preach to you today, the also of the revelation, the also of the revelation. Would you lift your hands and your voices and take just a minute to give the Lord great praise here today. Father, we love you. Would you clap your hands and give the Lord great praise while you're being seated today in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Praise God. Genesis chapter 1 is the beginning, the creation of all things. Um, It's very explanatory. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and God moved upon. He hovered above. He brooded upon. If you read the book of Genesis, the creation event, it is sometimes, if not most times, misunderstood. It is believed among us that all of a sudden the Lord opens up His mouth and He begins to create things, and it was revealed immediately. But if you follow the creation, you will find that in the first few verses of Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and it was chaotic. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. But if you follow from that text on through the completion of six consecutive days of creation, you will find that God pulled from that darkness, from that chaotic event, what he spoke in the beginning in verse number two, three, four, five, and then the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. He brooded upon the chaos. I have lived for God long enough to understand that God most often does his best work in the dark. Matter of fact, may I be as bold to say that most times God will turn the lights off in our life and we misunderstand the chaos, the confusion, the blackness, the moment. But it is in that moment that God does His best work in my life. And the morning comes and reveals what God has already been doing in my life. I could not see it, but I could feel something at work. I could not lay my hands on it, but I could feel something at work. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And the evening and the morning were the second and the third and the fourth. We view the day newness and the end of a day as darkness coming upon us. Evening time today will mark the beginning or the end of our day. But in the creation of God, the evening marks the beginning of God's day. So when God gets ready to do something new in my life, He turns the light off. He begins to work in it and through it. And then he turns the light back on to reveal what he has been doing in the season of darkness. That's why Pentecostals get excited when we say weeping may endure for a season, but joy cometh. You know why we believe that? Because we've lived through enough dark seasons of our life to understand that when the day breaks, something good is just on the horizon. Something good is just around the corner. Praise God. Amen. I have lived for God long enough that I do not despise dark days. I don't like dark days. I don't like dark seasons. But if you follow the creation on into the exodus of God's people, he calls the darkness to fall upon them and God began to work. And the morning brings about the revelation of what God is capable or what God has been doing. May I propose to you tonight or this morning that God, in the season of the church's life, has allowed a moment of darkness to fall upon this chaotic world. But it is not that sin may abound. It is because grace will that much more abound. Anytime hell comes against the church, God will always retaliate. God will always move to the offensive. I am not fearful of this present world because I know who created it. I am not fearful of ISIS or ISIL or Washington, D.C. because I know the God of my salvation. I understand that he did everything right. He made no, come on, congregation. He made no mistakes in the beginning. He'll make no mistakes today. He's God and he's in charge. Hallelujah. Sometimes I fear deep in my spirit that we have forgotten the God that we serve. That through time and through walking with Him... We let life dilute the potency of His miraculous power. But the God that saved us is not weak. The God that found you when you were a sinner is not anemic or in trouble. Time has not weakened Him. Age has not weakened Him. He is the same yesterday, today, and... you got to help me this morning. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. Act like you believe that today. He's the same yesterday, today... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I believe that the church is the most powerful entity in the earth. I do, not, I do not believe the devil has more power than God or the church. Thank you all 11 of you that believe that with me. Let's work on the others. I do not believe your adversary has more power than you do. I do not believe your present crisis is greater than the God of your life. I do not believe that the God that saved you and cleaned you up has grown asleep at the wheel. It just does not compute in my mind. Greater is He that is in me. 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 me. Mm. Sometimes I think we lose the value system of this great eternal kingdom. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He did it by opening up his mouth. He did it by speaking things into existence. There is power of life and death in the tongue. If it worked for the first Adam, if it worked for the second Adam, it's got to work for the church. You know the most dangerous thing to an apostolic church? Quiet men. You you can't make me nervous. The most dangerous thing to the apostolic church is quiet men. Quiet men is what got the church in the calamity she's in today. See, there is a masculinity and there is a femininity in God's creative process. He made, well, this is a little off topic, but we'll go there anyway. In Genesis chapter 2, in the beginning, God created he, them, both male and female. And when you are done with God's creative work, you do not have two co-equal, co-existent co-eternal beings. You have one who is both male and female. They did not have the sexual organs at this time but Adam was both masculine and both feminine. When you've seen Adam, you've seen the replica of God. Every time I preach this, it gets a little quiet but I'm not preaching false doctrine. Go, go read it. He created he, them both male and female. God created he, him. So you have him becoming plural. You have the plural becoming singular. If you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know how many gods there is, look how many atoms were created. There weren't two atoms or three atoms. There weren't two atoms or three atoms. I hope I made it to the right church this morning. There wasn't two atoms or three atoms. There was just one atom. We're going to work on that. There's just one atom because there was but one because he was made in the image, in the totality, in the likeness of God. And so if there had been three gods, co-equal, co eternal coexistent, there should have been three Adams likewise. But there was but one Adam because Adam was made in the image of God. When you see Adam, you see the likeness of God. When you see God, you see the image of Adam. It just works that way. And then the Bible says that he brought animals to Adam. Read it in the second chapter. He brought the animals to Adam, stay with me, to see, shout to see, what he would name them. In the mind of God, he already knew what the animals were going to be named. But he so incorporated man into his creative work that he brought man to the animals, or the animals to man, and said, I want to see if you'll name them what I want them to be named. God has always invited humanity into his finest moment. I'm going to preach to you today. God has always invited man into his finest moment. He has always valued the input of man. I did not make God limit himself to the use of flesh. God limited himself to the use of flesh. May I be as bold to say this morning that whatever God does from this second to the rapture takes place, He will only do it through the likeness or through the image of you and I. If the world's going to be won, it'll be one by you and I. If there's going to be miracle signs and wonders in Jonesboro, it's going to be because we'll let them happen. Here we go. What are you doing, God? I'm making man. I want him to look like me. I want him to be all that I am. So Adam was born masculine and feminine. And then God brings the animals to him and to see what he would name them. To see if Adam could speak for him. To see if Adam could speak like him. Hang on to me. To see if Adam could understand what his will was and speak what was the divine. Let me see what you do at this moment. I know that that's a buck deer. I want to see if you call it a buck deer. And when Adam spoke what God would have spoke, the Bible says that it was good. It was good. And then he looked at Adam and said, it's not good for you to be alone. Men were never designed to be alone. That's a men's session later. Men were never designed to be alone. So God says, I'm going to make you a help me. But I will not create her. I will not speak her to you into existence. I'm going to cause a deep sleep to come upon you. Are you with me today? And out of Adam's, giving you the answer. Out of Adam's side, he pulled the woman. Out of Adam came femininity. He separated masculine from feminine. Sorry, Obama. We're not going to debate political agendas here. We're just going to preach the Word of God here today. But it doesn't matter what the bathroom sign says. God made man to be masculine, and God made the woman to be feminine. Well, now you're getting with me. That's God's law. It doesn't matter what legislative branch tries to change that. But it is the agenda of hell to divide or erase creation's power. And so what does he want to do? He wants to make the masculine feminine and the feminine masculine. He wants to diffuse or he wants to dilute what is God's finest creative moment, man. Stay with me. Because man is like... So he couldn't beat God in heaven, so he tries to beat Him on earth. And he enters the garden. We really are going somewhere. He enters the garden. And what happens when he enters the garden? The Lord looked at Adam and said, don't eat of the tree. Adam looked at the woman and said, don't touch nor eat the tree. Maybe we need to be careful of adding to or taking away the word of God. I know we're all about these guys that add to. We need to be as vigilant, as vigilant, the guys that take away. Let's Let's just preach what's here. Don't add it. Don't take away from it. There's there's enough here to get us there. Let's just do this. Amen? But when Lucifer entered the picture, he did not talk to the masculinity of God. He went to the femininity of God because the Bible says she was the weaker, not the lesser. She was the weaker vessel. And while Adam was somewhere, she was having a conversation. And you know what it is? The, the, the first... Um, The the first mark, the the first mark of the beast. We're we're all worried about the 666 stuff, and and I get it. I, I look at all this stuff that's going in our hands and foreheads and the mark of man, 666, and it's the mark of the beast, and we fear that. We're looking for it, but that's not the original mark of the beast. The first original mark of the beast is when your adversary changes an explanation point into a question mark by bending the line You know, the devil's forte is to cause you to question what's written. Mm, If we're ever fighting a battle today, it's the battle of people fighting or resisting the written. They want to question everything. Did God say? Did God mean? Is that really what it meant? Let me tell you what the Bible says. It says it and puts an explanation point next to it. That means it's over. It's not open to debate. But here comes the adversary trying to cause confusion. Not the removal of the word, just question it. Oh, I feel like I'm on something here today. Not the removal of the word, just question it. Pastor, I, I need to have a conversation. Is that really what that means? I mean, you know, this is 2016. Do you really think the Bible meant that for us today? If he said it, he meant it. It's ageless, it's timeless, it's eternal. Mm. And so he walks into the garden, starts to have a conversation, and I am amazed and marveled at who he chooses to speak to. went to her, the chicken. We went in church. I'll tell you what I really think of him. That weak-kneed idiot goes to her and says, Did God say that in the day that thou shalt eat of the tree, that thou shalt surely die? And starts having a conversation with her and causes her to eat the garden or the fruit. But the next verse says, And she turned... And gave likewise to her husband. So where was Adam? He was quiet and timid behind the femininity of the kingdom. May I introduce to you one of the crises of the Pentecostals in 2016? Is we have men who were born authoritative. Born in the image and the likeness of God. Who want to hide behind the femininity of the apostolic church. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, femininity, for carrying us. Thank you for being vocal and intercessors. Thank you for being prayer warriors. But what the church needs this morning is for God's men to find their voice and rise with authority and say, I was made. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I know. I This is normally where I make people mad, but I don't really want to today. I want to help you. But if God's men would ever find their voice, there's not a devil big enough that could stay around Jonesboro or could stay in your house or could... But when men refuse to open... Well, it's just not me. It's not my nature. It is your nature. Because your nature is the image of God. And every now and then God took cattails and whips and purged the temple. He cast out devils. He raised the dead. He opened blinded eyes. I can't hear you, brethren. We are not passive. We are not weak. We are not in trouble. We are the authoritative power of God's eternal kingdom. And let the men clap their hands and say, that's me. very masculine, Uh, the only feminine bone of my body sitting back there. And I understand that if the enemy can ever get men to be silent, quiet, if God could ever inspire us enough, if faith would ever be ignited in us to the level that we would understand just how much authority we have. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and he opened his mouth and said, Let it be. And the next portion of that verse ends with, And it was so. And God said, and it was so. And God said, Do you not understand that there's not a devil in hell or out of hell big enough to stop the apostolic church? I'm just gonna stay here. Do you believe that? There's not a devil in hell or out of hell big enough to stop an apostolic church. There's not a prince, there's not a principality, there's not a ruler of darkness big enough to stop an apostolic church but it doesn't take an entire apostolic church to stop the onslaught of hell it just takes one or two good people to jump up and say enough is enough I know who he is I know who I am and on the authority of Jesus name I open up my mouth and I speak God's not dead we used to sing the old song God's not dead he's still alive he's not in trouble either he's not weak he hasn't changed age hasn't slowed him down his joints don't ache he needs no geritol he doesn't belong to the aarp he doesn't get the 55 and over senior discount he is the same yes come on he's the same yesterday today and forever if you'd let me preach to you just a minute god's not in trouble god is not in trouble he is everything he ever was. To the student, he is the teacher. To the joint heir, he is the heir. To the army, he is the captain. To the servants, he is the master. To the subject, he is the king. To the architect, he is the chief cornerstone. To the builder, he's the sure foundation. To the farmer, he's the lord of the harvest. To the editor, he's good tidings of great joy. To the sculpture, he is the living stone. To the theologian, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the gift of gifts, the wonder of wonders, the lord of lords, the king of kings, the master of masters and the friend of friends. You can sit there and be bored if you want to. He is the ancient of days, the arm of the Lord, the branch of righteousness, the Bomb of Gilead, the creator of all things, the day spring from on high. He is the lamb of God, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the ending, the tabernacle of the wilderness. He is the transfigured son, the brightness of God's glory. Abraham said you're the sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Moses said you're the pillar of fire and cloud. Abraham or Aaron said you're the rod that budded. Gideon said you're the angel of the Lord. Ruth said you're the kinsman redeemer. Samuel said you're the ark of the covenant. Elijah said you're the still small voice. Solomon said you're the wisdom of Israel. Isaiah said you're the one high and lifted up. Ezekiel said you're the wheel in the middle of the wheel. Daniel said you're the handwriter on the wall. Joel said you're the Holy Ghost baptizer. Are you with me today? He is the way that never leads astray. He's the truth that never lies. He's the life that never dies. He's the good shepherd that never flees. He's the ark that never leaks. He's the water of life that never stagnates. He's the teacher that never deceives. He's the companion that never departs. He's the true vine that never withers. He's the rock that never moves. He's the anchor that never lets go. He's the bridge that never collapses. You can sit there and be bored if you want to. But the rest of us know he's the holy one. He's the amazing one. He's the jealous one. He's the compassionate one. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the alpha and the Omega the beginning and the ending. We ought to be clapping our hands today because that's who God is. All of my life, I have heard about who God was, who God is. He is unequalled. He is unparalleled. He is unmatched. He is eternal. He is wonderful counselor of the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He is not co-equal. He is not co-eternal. He is not co In Him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily to wit God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God and without him who God the word was not anything made that was made for in him not them was the life and the life was the light of the world and the light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not but as to many but as to many that received Is not he is not shared glory. Isaiah made it very clear from forty two to forty eight. He said, I am I only. Without me, there is no. I am the only Savior. I looked around and found no one like me. I found no one like me. No one like me. Hear me today. If you do not know him, you have no power in him. That's why the world is working hard eradicating manhood, authority. Because what the world needs is God. And so Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, I have a question for you. Who do men say I am? Some said, well, we'd we'd hate to get it and guess it and get it wrong. So we've heard you call Elias. We've heard Jeremiah's or maybe one of the prophets. Jesus said, that's, that's not good enough. I want to know who you think I am. I need you to know me. If we're ever going to do anything in 2016, looking toward the rapture of the church, we're going to have to get a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. See, if you have the Holy Ghost here today for any length of time at all, and all of those things that I just read, that's book. Those are not just words on paper. Those, is that's what he is. Everything that I said come from a verse depicting his character, his nature, his godliness, his, who he was, who he is, and who he'll always be. But I notice that some of you looked a little bored with that, and that's okay. I, I hope to inspire you today. But if we're going to have power with God and with man, we're going to have to get excited over who God is. I apologize if I offend you here today, but the church is going to have to fall back in love with who he is. He's not Buddha or Muhammad or Allah or Joseph Smith. He is the mighty God in Christ. He is Jesus, the man. He is God. You've got to do better than that today. He's God in the flesh. He is the ever-present. He is all in all. He's God. He's your God. He's my God. Am I? Thou art, art the Christ. It was that loud mouthed preacher, that preaching Peter, who said, Thou art the Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to step out here today and tell you that you're the Christ. And Jesus looked at him. And hear me closely. Jesus looked at him and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. And if you know anything of Pentecostal or, or history of theology, you understand that when Jesus responded to him by calling him, Um, Thou art Simon Barjona. He said, I know who you are, but I know who your dad is. And I know where you come from. I know where you live. I want you to know that I, I know you. And so I look at this unique text of power and authority coming to the church, and I'm hungry to find the key. I don't know who I preach to today, hopefully more than one or two, but I'm tired of having a name that we're alive. We're going to work on this a minute. Laodicea, you can make it a church, a church age, or a spiritual dispensation if you want to. But I'm just going to tell you that the seventh church of Asia is alive today. It was, it was not God's anger toward them that they were um, not warm or hot. It was because they found a comfortableness, a lukewarmness, and they had a name that they were hot. But they really were cold. He said, I would that you would buy of me gold tried in the fire that you could be what you say you are. God's anger is never more greatly kindled against the church than when we bill ourselves as alive, as a place where miracles take place and joy can be found. But we're no bigger, no different, no greater than the other church on the corner. I contend today that this congregation is not your average congregation, that we are the church. Okay. Woo. You may not want me to come back tonight. Acts chapter 2. May I introduce you to your birth date, your origin, who we are, how we act. And I don't know who we've become, but we are not what we were born to be. And when the day of Pentecost was, they were all in one place, one accord, and. How long's it been since we had a suddenly? I, I like it all. I I really do. I, I like it all. I like I like all this pizzazz, I like these these monitors, what incredible anointed singing we had today. But since when does the apostolic church have to be so organized that we have no place no room for suddenly? I I'm sorry. I I, I really thought you were apostolic here today. I'm not interested in protocol. I'm not interested in rituals and routines. What I'm wanting is to sing until a suddenly takes place. Visitors today are not here for a program. They're here because you told them. This is the place of suddenly. All of a sudden you can be healed. All of a sudden you can be delivered. Where are you apostolics? Where is the... Come on Pentecostals, the revival that we need today is a revival of suddenly, where is the work of the Holy Ghost? Where is the power of the Holy? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were. It's okay to sit in Pentecostal services. That's where we find ourselves, where they were sitting. And there appeared on them cloven tongues like as a, and it said upon each of, and they all, and they all began to speak with other tongues and were filled with the Holy Ghost. And when this was noised abroad, people came to hear and to see. It's okay to start church sitting. But you shouldn't end church sitting. You should end it with folks wanting to know what y'all drinking. They have visitors here today. You ought to be blowing their mind right now. They ought to be saying, my God, they smoked something. They shot something. They drunk something. They took something. Because normal people don't act like this at church. I know. I'm, 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 I'm in contrast with culture today. But it took a preacher to stand up and say, hang on just a minute. These are not drunk like you think they are. When's the last time we had to explain ourselves to the world? Boy, I'm fearful we're having church to appease them and to make them comfortable. But none of them are asking us what you've been drinking and you don't have enough programs, and you don't have enough money, and there's not enough land in Jonesboro to build a building big enough that will give the sinner what they need. Like just one Pentecostal hymn, when the people of God recognize who he is, who they are, and will sing it with feeling. My God. When I was a kid growing up in this area, they'd, they'd bring out the hymn book, I know, I know, and we turn to page 54 and the musicians would start. And the first verse says, "...as I travel through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary through the crimson flow, many arrows pierce my soul from without within." But my Lord leads me on, and through him I must win. And everybody would jump up and start saying, oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. Now we just sit in church. Now we bored in church. I got to tell you, folks, if we're going to have revival, the revival's got to start in the heart of the church. The church has got to get it. Come on, clap your hands. I'm trying to hurry here today. Clap your hands like you know who Jesus is today. What in the world's going on in there? It's a suddenly moment. It's a suddenly spirit. Jesus looked at them and said, Who am I? Thou art the Christ. Oh, God, help us to realize how much power is still in your name. How much authority is really in your name. Do you not get it when you whisper the name of Jesus that all of heaven comes to attention? I know we've heard these cliches so long we're bored with them. If you just say it, he'll he'll show up ever-present, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing. God right on your chair, right where you sit. If you just start whispering, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It would turn the environment of this building into a red-hot furnace of God's presence just by saying, Jesus, Jesus. Because there's still power in His name. There's still healing in His name. There's still authority in His name. Come on, congregation. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead, and it's all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You did right, Simon. You you did right. You you know who I am. And then he flips it on him and says, Thou art Simon Barjona. And I want you to know that what you just got is a... Tripart of a whole. I need you to listen. Don't misunderstand me. I'm fourth generation, what we celebrate here today. My boys are fifth. I grew up in this. There is nothing greater than the entire revelation of the mighty God in Christ. See, that should have just brought a little stronger response there. There's nothing greater than that revelation. Doesn't get any greater. There's a lot of confusion in the world of who he is. I'm going to tell you who he is. 9 6 of Isaiah, for he is a son given. He's a child born. Son given, child born. 9 6 Isaiah. And his name, whose name? The son given, the child born. His name shall be called who? The So now you had the child born, the son given, and his name is Mighty God, and he is the Everlasting Father. And when you go to Matthew chapter 1, and it was on this wise, and if you read Matthew chapter 1, start with verse 18 and read to the conclusion of that chapter, it renders it something like this. And they were explaining, don't worry about her, for the thing in her is conceived of the Holy Ghost. If you are here today and you believe in the co-eternality of God more than one, then you have four gods because God the Father is not the Father of Jesus the Son because He is never listed as His Father. It is the Holy Ghost that is the Father of the the Son. But now you've got four, not three. Now you don't even have a trinity. You've got a convoluted mess unless you read Matthew chapter 1 and you find out that it says that this Son born and the child born given his name is Emmanuel God with us and thou shalt call his name Jesus the father is Jesus the son where are you apostolics where is your excitement today over who God is You did good. You did. Come here, Brother Purple Shirt. You're good. You're good. Jeremy, what's your name? Tim. Well, I was way off, wasn't I? On both occasions. I want you to know, Simon, that because you know me, I'm going to give you the greatest gift. I'm going to tell you I know you. Who am I? Thou art the Christ, of the Living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Now, Simon, listen to me. I know you. But I know your dad. I know his daddy. I know his daddy. I know where you live. I know where you come from. Watch. Didn't Jesus say elsewhere in his gospels that my sheep would know my, a stranger they would not, that we would be known of each other? See, one of the things that the church has got to go back to is the dialogue and not monologue. This is not just about Jesus talking to me. This is about me talking to him. I know you. Thou art the Christ. You're Jesus in the flesh. And it could have stopped right there. But he said, that's not good enough. I'm known of them. They are known of me. Intimately known. Thou art Simon. I know you. Now, if it was all that, and if just knowing Jesus is all there is, he should have reached into his pocket and pulled out the keys and said, because you know me, here's some keys. But he didn't. If it was just about Jesus knowing me, he should have reached in his pocket and pulled out some keys, but it wasn't. He didn't. Because the revelation of who Jesus is is tripart. It's like salvation. It's death, it's burial, it's resurrection. It's who he is. It's me knowing him. Him knowing me. And the greatest word of Matthew chapter 16 is when he said, and I say also. In other words, I'm not done with you. I still got my keys. And you're not going to get the keys until you know who you are. Uh Uh-huh. See, stay there. We like the fact that we can sing it's all in Him. It's all in Him. But Jesus is saying, I am your friend. I want to be your friend. I want to love you and I want you to love me. I want us to have dialogue. But it must not stop with just you knowing me and me knowing you until you get the revelation of who you are in my kingdom. And when Peter Learned who Peter was. Jesus said, hold your hand out. Unto thee, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatsoever... Okay, stay there. Don't leave me. You're a great prop today. We grew up singing those great songs and we've graduated into this, don't let me offend you, into this hug a tree save wells kiss Jesus on the forehead we don't have worship services we have mosh pits just let me then really I mean you know we, we went to senior camp camp meeting everybody didn't walk up to the front stand there going I mean, when the suddenly hit, everybody blew up. Everybody had church. Everybody shouted, talked in tongues, did black flips, rolled in the floor. That was church. Now we sing about finding him, looking for him. I need a bigger pulpit. I can tell you that right now. Searching for him. Where will you be when I find you? I'm looking for you. Come find me. Everything. That we're supposed to have already put to rest. What are we looking for? What are we searching for? We're supposed to have it. And what we're looking for? The sense of emptiness. How can you be empty if you know Him? Because knowing Him does not release the power of of his kingdom. It grants you access into it, but it does not give you the keys to it. It's really not false doctrine. And then he said, I know you. You're a good fellow. I want you to know I have faith in you. But Peter didn't get the keys then. He looked at him and says, now, this is as important as the first two. I say also unto you, you are Peter, not Simon Barjone, not your daddy's boy. You are who you are. And I want you just as you are. And Peter gets this divine revelation, and the Bible says he gives him the keys. And he says, now, listen closely. I can do Nothing. See, we don't like that part of it, do we? I can't do anything from this moment forward unless you tell me to. I am chaining myself to your vocal cords. And if you ever learn how to have quiet church, you will learn how to have dead church. If you ever lose your voice, I can move no mountain for you. I can heal nothing for you. I can bring no... How come we're doing all this send it on down stuff? Am I dating myself? (laughs) Send it on down, send it on down. Pray tell me what else is going to come down. What is the church waiting on? What are we lacking? What 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 are we what do we what do we have need of? There, there's there's no more power coming from heaven. The whole power of heaven come to earth. robed himself in flesh. Okay, brother, come back up here. I just thought you was done. I, I got that funny look out there, and I I, I need to, I need to take it the next step. Um, do, do you you believe that God is is God? Don't let me put words in your mouth. You believe, as in question, that everything in the Old Testament could be summed up into he was Jehovah, God. But when you step into the New Testament, it is God, Spirit, moving, living, birthed, robed, however you want to say it, manifested in the man Christ. Would you say you agree if I said that the totality of the Old Testament God was manifested in in the image of Jesus' the man, that Jesus Christ is God. Was that a strong yes or a mm? Okay. Oh, I like that. I, I've got the right guy. We like that, don't we? Okay. Hang on a minute because you're not going to like this one. If you believe that and you have dead church, shame on us. Because Ephesians and Colossians, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church and said, it is Christ. Now, let me get this right. You told me that it was God in the man Christ, that it's God in Christ. Where'd all them hand claps and thundering applause go? You see what we do? Oh, no, I don't know if I believe all that. If it is God in the man Christ became the vision, became the tangible, the touchable he became God in the flesh. And Paul says, it is now Christ in. Then are you, are you telling me that all of God was in Christ? And all of Christ is in. And you want to sit there and act like you've got nothing to get excited about? Or have no authority to move a mountain or pray for the sick? I'm, I'm done. I'm I'm coming in for a landing. I'll tell you like Paul told the church, finally, brethren. But I'll also tell you he wrote more after his finally, brethren than he did before his finally, brethren. Hey, you know the story in the New Testament where the two preachers went to the temple and they ran to the guy looking for alms. He said, alms, alms. What did the preacher say back to him when he asked for alms? Powerful stuff, in it? Silver and gold have I number such as I have given to give out unto thee. Do you know that's not the first thing he said? But as Pentecostals, that's where we jump to because it's in our excuse for not having. Here's what he said first. Look on us. We're so quick to say Jesus can do anything. But when you get the revelation of who he is and you know he knows you and all of a sudden you get the revelation he's in me, you're not afraid to tell somebody in need, look on me. Listen to me. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. I have the answer for your dilemma. Jesus Christ is the healer. See, we want to have church until the Holy Ghost falls on us. We We want to have our ritualism until the Holy Ghost breaks in on us. But that's not apostolic church. Apostolic church is knowing who he is, him knowing who you are, and you understanding when I get ready to move a mountain... I'm hungry. My wife and I are the proud parents of four wonderful, wonderful, wonderful boys. 15, 19, 24, 26. And they're just great guys. Holy Ghost, my three oldest ones preach. And uh, about a year or so ago, we, we hit a little bump in our road in the fact that my youngest was diagnosed with a tumor. And the story's too long to tell here in one setting, but... He was supposed to have tumors uh, all throughout his brain, head, upper torso, lower torso. The diagnostic that we got was he was, I quote, eat up with tumors. And a staggering load of medical procedures was ahead of us. Um, I, I don't, wouldn't bore you with all these crazy details, but let me just stand here and tell you that since September of last year, uh, my wife and I have witnessed probably into the 20s, if not over 30, notable miracles, absolute, doctor-defying, logic-defying miracles. You know where it started? It started with me knowing who Jesus was and believing that he's a healer, knowing that he can do above all that I think or ask, believing that he could do exceeding above all I could think or ask, but understanding that He can't do any of that if He does not do it through us. It takes a vocal cord to speak the Word of God into existence. While you're sitting here this morning waiting on God to burst into your crisis, God is waiting on you to invite Him into your crisis. And you're going to sit there and moan and groan about how bad it is. And he's saying, let me lose. Just tell me what you want me to do. And we're quiet and we're reserved. If somebody would just jump up and say, on the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take dominion, I You can remain standing. They diagnosed him. We, we made a major move. My wife, family come back this way. I stayed on the west coast. Was going to the doctor with him. Supposed to be just you know a, a normal thing. And walked in. And a few examinations. And the surgeon looked at us and said, hey, "You're not even going to get to go home. I'm admitting you in the Children's ready Hospital, San Diego, California." He said, "Mr. Morning, your child has tumors. All in his head, on his torso." He said he's just he's just covered with them. He's eat up with them. And that was on a Wednesday. So they admitted him Wednesday afternoon. Test started Thursday morning. My wife caught the first flight back to California. She walked in. We we're waiting on the results to come back. We joined together and we prayed. We said, Lord, just can't believe this is your will. And the journey of miracles began. And we got the test results back later that afternoon. All of these tumors were gone. And that began, listen to me, and that began a journey of ups and downs, ebb and flow. It went from bad to worse, it went from worse to excellent, it went from this to that. He has a very unique, rare tumor, according to them. It's rare enough that they put together a tumor board. We've got a doctor that we meet with, flies in from Amsterdam. One flies up to Canada, and he meets with seven in San Diego to form a tumor board. This tumor board gave us their facts. We had to make a decision. And uh, they were going to do a treatment on him that was going to take his um, growth hormone. They were going to have to hit the brain, the upper torso, hard with some major stuff. And so they prepared us. They said, your, your son will never grow any taller. He'll never, he'll never change. So if we do this, it will, it will devastate. It will take his growth hormone. And also, he'll lose most, if not all, his motor skills. And uh, it's kind of hard. And I know some of you have been through your own crisis. You understand the language that I'm talking right now. It's kind of hard to, to swallow. you got a 15-year-old boy, grew up with other, older brothers, and not to have to do anything. And so they said, we're going to give you 72 hours. Give you 72 hours. Make your decision. You can do what we want you to do, or we can do less than and let nature take its course. He said, okay. Monday, we got up, wrestled. Tuesday, we wrestled. Wednesday morning, the day that we were supposed to have a decision in at noon, when I got up, the Lord said, you be still, and you be quiet, because today, I'll speak I said, "Okay, I, I like that. I like that." And so, noon rolled around. He didn't speak. One, two, three, four, five o'clock rolls around, and doctors are calling. What are you going to do? When you get started, what's the decision? So, I called my wife, and I said, "I want you to put get 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 online. We're going to do a video conference call." I put all four of my boys on there, my wife, myself. We were scattered all over the country, it seemed. And so, it took us two hours don't laugh at me get together a video conference call. We're not the uh, most techno-savvy family in the world. But we finally figured it out. In the course of that two hours, the tumor board had met. Remember God told me he'd speak to me that morning. He said, you be quiet. I'm going to speak for you. The tumor board had met. And we was supposed to have a decision by noon. I got my family going at 5. It was 7 o'clock before we got on the video conference. The minute we all logged on, my phone chimes. It's Dr. Pye from San Diego. Mr. Morgan, please call me. I'd like to discuss some findings. And normally when I got a phone call like this, I dreaded them. You just kind of learn to avoid those, those conversations. And so I told my wife, I said, hang on just a minute, Dr. Pye. And so I opened my email. and He said, dear Mr. Morgan, I'm happy to inform you. Well, he said, just call me if you're convenient. And I'm thinking, what in the name of God? So I pick up the phone. We're video conferencing. Pick up my cell phone. I call him. I said, Dr. Pye. He said, Mr. Morgan, I got some good news. I said, okay. Give it to me. He said, Well, you're gonna laugh. And in my heart I thought, no, I doubt I do, but glad you think so. He said, You're probably gonna laugh. He said, There are nine of us. We're the leading blah, 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 blah. He said, We have made a mathematical concerning your son. And what we thought was there is not there. And so, again, too many to tell you, nine and a half hour surgery, he's going through radiation. And so every 90 days, we go back for an MRI and they they look at the tumor and make sure it's not growing. It's inside his spinal column lower part of his back. And so, three weeks ago, or about a month ago, he began to manifest the same signs that took us into the doctor in the first place. And uh, fear, obviously. We thought, well, it was a good swing and a good miss. Now we're back to reality. And so we met with the new doctor. And the new doctor met with us and he said, yeah, he said the tumor, tumor's growing. He said, we can try surgery. But probably not going to do any good," he said. "And we can contact radiation, Children's Hospital, and see if we can do any more radiation." I said, "No, he's he's maxed out. He re- any more would kill him." He said, "Okay." He said, "We'll just do chemo." And I said, "Well, doctor, whatever his name was," I said, I, "They told us that chemo has no effect on this tumor; he says it doesn't." And I said, well, then, why, why, why chemo?" He said, "Because there's nothing else to try." And I thought, "My God." No, absolutely no. And so did the MRI on Thursday, they asked us to stay, spend the night. And we were prepared for the worst on Friday morning. So two weeks ago on Friday morning, we walk in there. doctor comes in smiling real big. He said, I got great news. Let me back up 30 minutes. We get out of our truck, going to the doctor's office. I take my wife's hand, I take Colton's hand, I said, we're going to pray right now. And I said, Colton, what do you want God to do for you today? And he said, you know what, Dad? He said, I'm just, I'm just frustrated with it. He said, I, I don't know. And I said, that's okay. I know. I took their hands and I said, okay, God, this is what I want the doctor to say. When we walk in there, I want that doctor to say, and I quote, tumor's not growing. It's just scar tissue. And we can deal with that. That's not what we pray. And we walk into the doctor's office. He walks in and says, I got good news. The tumor's not growing, it's just scar tissue, and we can deal with that. Now, I, I know you got goosebumps, you think that's a cool story, but my point is this. In the last year, I have learned God cannot work for me if I don't tell Him or ask Him. And I know that that kind of defies our logic that he's this father that looks over us and wants to do, he does. And he will. But when he gave the keys to Peter, he said, whatsoever you buy, I buy, whatever you, you know why, you know why you keep going through the same cycle of hell? Because you're asking God to do something God has limited himself not to be able to do. He put his power in your tongue. He put his presence in your life. He said, I will work for you. I will work with you. I think these next few services, what God wants to do in this church, other than just a good spirit of reviving, is to help you identify who you are. And when you find out who you are, buildings can't stop it. Principalities can't stop it. Nothing can stop the church of Jesus Christ. But if you have no revelation that upon your tongue is the power of life and death, would you you look up here at me real quick? The days of just having church to have church are over. I want every apostolic to hear me very clearly, they're gone. And if you don't get that revelation, it won't be long before you're gone. I don't care how long you've served him, walked with him, and warred for him. If you can't get excited about living in this present moment, we're just not going to last, folks. The great falling away, describe it however you want to. But there were two in the field, two grinding, two in the bed, and on every occasion, they were both doing the same thing, but one taken and one left. Do you realize that God's ratio for the rapture is this: you can be in the church, but the church not be in you. If that ratio is true, you go, you stay; you go, you stay. But you're all on the front row on Sunday morning. You listen to me. This, This thing about just having church to have church, showing up to show up, it's got to die. You have got to realize that we are racing the coming of Jesus Christ right now. There's more pressure in the church than there's ever been. I'll preach about it tonight if you'll come back. There's more pressure in the church than there's ever been, but God's always got a plan. He told his disciples, he said, you see that mountain? You shall say, Mountain move and it shall he looked at a physical mountain and told his disciples you have the power to move that. I got to look at that and I thought now Lord I have reckless faith, high faith, lots of faith, but I, I move mountains. I mean really and I think he spoke to me and said the point was not to move a mountain point was to tell you that anything I create you have dominion over and so I backed up being from Missouri we, we learned differently there. I backed up and said you're going to have to show me this and it came to me just like this in the beginning God created he spoke into existence everything anything that was made was made by Any creative thing recognizes the voice of the creator. Any man of God, woman of God, child of God that has Christ in them has the voice of Christ. Anytime you exercise the gift of God in you and speak to anything he created, it recognizes not your voice. It recognizes his and that's why Jesus said, You shall say, and it must obey. Do you realize how much power is in these four walls today? There was a man just down the road at North Little Rock, up the road, wherever Little Rock is from here. And he had been there for 12 years. Brother North Little Rock Scott, Melton's Church, 12 years. pastoral come. And first couple of services, he sat where the elder man sitting, he sat right there and we had an altar call and they all joined around him and tried to pray and I'm like, okay, something something's there and so the third service, I looked at him and I said do you do you have the Holy Ghost? He said, no I said, okay, I want everybody to get away from him. He said, everybody move move, move, move. And I walked over to the front row, he's on the third row. I said, sir in 30 seconds, you're going to get the Holy Ghost and here's how it's going to happen nobody's going to pray for you you're going to lift your hands you're going to repent and it should take you about five seconds to tell God you're truly sorry and when you're done repenting within 30 seconds you're going to be talking in tongues for the first time in your life what I didn't know is for 12 years he'd been sitting right there and they had convinced him he was the habitual seeker but he was created of God and that that was created recognizes the voice of the creator And when I said, you shall get the Holy Ghost in 30 seconds, heaven said, I'll back that up. I'm I'm getting some funny looks here. We're not God, folks. We're not God. But we are ambassadors. We have the law of his kingdom on our lips. And we are here to occupy until he returns. We're here to establish his government until the king comes. Lift your hands right now. And lift your voice right now. And speak with authority right now. Come on, congregation. Sure. Afraid to ask? Don't be afraid to proclaim. I feel like, look, I, I was gonna, I was gonna dismiss you, but hang on just a minute. We're gonna have an altar call. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago Ambassador, Bastrop, Louisiana, Dwight Fulton's the pastor. If you want to call him to verify this. We've been there a couple of times, and every time it seems like God gives visible miracles. It's just, it's staggering. Two weeks ago, they brought up a baby about, about his size, and they said he has a tumor on his eye, and they're going in to remove it, but he's lost vision, lost sight, and they're telling us there's nothing they can do because of where it's at. And all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Ghost say, you tell that daddy that by the time he gets back to the doctor, the tumor will be gone. That was two weeks ago. A week ago, I got a phone call from my boy. He said, Dad, I love this. You're not going to believe this. I don't know why do we have to say that? You're not going to believe this. But they just called Pastor. And Pastor said the tumor is completely gone from the baby. His eyesight is completely I got a question for you what would have happened had I said logically well if the doctors say that well let's be careful we don't get dad mom's hope up and that's why the church is not seeing miracles today because instead of the man Christ walking among us the man Christ is walking in us but us is not walking this world's going to see that looks like Jesus. I'm the only voice this world's going to hear that sounds like Jesus. And if I don't walk and talk, the world is void of His power. Because He said, here's my keys. I don't even have keys to my own power whatsoever. I'm ready to do what you ask me to do, but I cannot do it around you because if I go around you it defies the law of my kingdom and it allows people to bypass shepherds you want a miracle here today God is here I'm not hyping you up I'm just telling you the Holy Ghost is here there are miracles in this house today there is healing and the miraculous power of God is in this house today what do you need? Come on. What do you need? Come on. Whatever you need. He got Now, are you ready? Are you ready? Lift your hands. Open your mouth. Speak the word. Speak the word. Say it. Where there is sickness, there will be health. In the name of Jesus, it's going to start. Come on, folks. Come on. There's power in his name.
0: and you need a touch from God in your life, I wouldn't let anything hinder me right now. I'd step out from where I am and I'd get down to the front, I'd begin to call on God and I'd begin to speak things that are not as though they were. Let's unleash the power of the Lord that dwells within us today. No more captive. Let it be no more captive, but let us release the power of the Holy Ghost. That worketh in us. He is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all that we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. doesn't want to happen what God is going to do in these next few services and God is going to do the miraculous God is going to fill people with the Holy Ghost God is going to restore broken souls God is going to fill you back up to the brim and the joy that you thought you had lost is coming back to you in the name of Jesus And the devil's going to oppose it. And I have reason for what I'm doing right now. And I know, I know I'm, I know I'm walking in the Holy Ghost right now. But I am going to ask you right now, we are going to bind together. And we are going to pray that there would be anything that would would withstand what God wants to do in the next few services. We are going to rebuke it. And we are going to bind it. And there is going to be liberty. And there is going to be a flow of the Spirit of God and nothing shall hinder it. Will you, will you, do you believe it? Pray it right now. Speak that in the name of Jesus. Lord, I bind every hindering spirit. I bind everything that would stand against what you would seek to accomplish in our, what you will accomplish in our midst. I rebuke it. I bind it. And I cast it out in the name of Jesus. Lord, everything that you have deemed for this revival shall come to pass. It shall happen. It shall happen. Nothing shall stop it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let it be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's going to happen. So when you come in here this evening, you better come in here worshiping God. You better come in here understanding who it is that we've come to lift up and magnify and glorify. And you'd better come in remembering that He is, not only do we know who He is, not only does He know who we are, but we know who we are. That I am a child of God and the same Spirit of God that spoke the creation The same Spirit of God that split a red sea. The same Spirit of God that was with them in a wilderness. The same Spirit of God that caused walls to come down. The same Spirit of God that dwelt in Christ. The same Spirit of God that was in Him. It is in me. I am not less than. And the devil does not have any authority over me. But I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I know who I am, and God is going to do wonderful things. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands and give the Lord praise. I know that you have family dinners and all that. If you'll give us about five minutes, we've got just a couple of things that we need to do. If you'd like to make your way back to your seat this morning. If you're a guest here, thank you.